Hello and welcome to our first episode of the LUXR Movie Review Club. I'm Skander and with me I have three special friends to do this episode with. Uh, my name is Jamie and I like to study political theory, but um, Skander is um, indoctrinating <laughs> me into environmental studies. It's very interesting. Yeah, you love it, don't lie. Well, I'm Paolo and um, I don't know what can I say. I've been on the podcast before, but you wouldn't know because Skander didn't introduce me. Or didn't give me even the chance to introduce myself. <laughs> so here I am now again. He'll never forget that. No, I'm never going to let you forget. Um, so yeah, what do hey, you... I didn't even introduce myself on that episode. Yes, okay, you did. So. Anyway, I'm, no, a, I'm, I'm one on the science side. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a physicist by trade. And I do a bit of political activism. Mostly tracked in by Scanderman. But yeah, Very cool. that's it. That's why I'm here. I'm Ellie. I've also been on the podcast before, uh, you might remember from the very first episode. Um, like Pablo, I'm also a physicist. And yeah, I've been involved in environmental activism for a little while. And apparently I'm in the Philosophy Society at Lancaster University, though I do vehemently deny it until this day. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. And uh, yeah, may I also add that we are now officially, the four of us, uh, Lancaster University alumni. Oh, yeah. Technically uh, not, because we haven't actually graduated no, yet. You haven't graduated. <laughs> okay, we're but, graduands. Yeah, we've got confirmed. And then in December, we'll be graduates. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm a graduate. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. a year ahead. But yeah, anyways. Um, yeah, so this episode is going to be a little bit more chill, more relaxed, uh, more informal. We don't have a special guest and said we have three very cool people with us that Speak I appreciate very much. And I think we'll make this episode very, <laughs> very nice. Um, we're going to talk today about our first film uh, of the film review series, which is Michael Moore's Planet of the Humans. Um, this film came out in 2019, I believe. It came out um, this year. And then April 2020, I thought. I, I, was it? No, I'm pretty sure it came out in 2019 and then on the um, premiered. On, yeah, right, in yeah. Apologies, apologies. Yeah. Um, this is Michael Moore's latest film. Michael Moore, if you don't know, is an American uh, movie creator who has done a lot of films that, um, let's just say, stirred some stuff up. <laughs> they, they, they're trying to initiate the conversations, kind of. That's, that's the way of framing it. Yeah, yeah. He's had such films as um, Bowling for Columbine, which. Uh, tackled gun violence in America uh, and Fahrenheit 911, which uh, targeted the 9-11 uh, bombings. Um, and so this one, Planet of the Humans, is all about environment, which is obviously why it features as one of our movie reviews. Um, I guess I want to start by just getting your, like your first initial thoughts, each of you, um, whoever wants to go first, just just the first thing that comes to your mind when you think now, a, a little bit after having seen the film, when you think Planet of the Humans, what comes to your mind? Um, um, what? Jamie, go on. Interesting, but not, not factoidy enough, enough, because I can't remember the, the data, and that's the most important part. Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, I want, I want end of end of chapter summary yeah. <laughs> that I can memorize. Uh, I thought I don't know. I it kind of was as I expected it to be as a Michael Moore film. Um, you know, it was there to elicit a reaction, and that's I guess what it did. Whether good, bad, justified, or whatever, it was fundamentally just a Michael Moore film. 
Well, I've never seen a Michael Moore film, but I was, I was quite surprised. So it was really, really well crafted. It was really persuasive. It was it used a lot of tricks, some propaganda people might think it was brilliant. I thought it was absolutely wonderful how he managed to link up ideas really quickly. Even a bit manipulating, but uh, I'll, we can go into details later. I also thought it was really, there, were, there was one problematic point. There's one thing I have an issue with as a conclusion, let's say. But I thought the ideas he was proposing were nothing new. We all know we're mostly screwed. Right. Uh, but I did, there yeah. was a, so the, the, but there was something that was actually really good. It was the whole biomass being fake task, green yeah, energy. Sure. I thought that was, for, that me, was for me personally, that was new. Like I did not know. Yeah, um, in our in our Twitter, uh, so I, I posted a little uh, tweet. We have a Twitter. To, yeah, we have a Twitter. Um, shout out to our Twitter at LUXR Podcast. Oh my God, we should all follow it now. I didn't know we had a Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually been great because. Excuse me, I already follow it. <laughs> it's been great because uh, a lot of academics are on Twitter, so it's uh, it's very useful. Um, but on our Twitter, I posted uh, as a little spoiler to this episode already what Jamie and I thought of oh. the film because we watched it first and talked about it a little bit uh, on our own. And three words that came out of, of our discussion, um, at least on my end, I'm not too sure about Jamie, but I think he shares this as well, maybe, is important, clumsy, and divisive. Um, in the sense that for me, the, the film was something that needs to be seen, I think. There's a lot of things in there that are I think hard truths for us to look at, but it's also, I think very clumsily made in some parts and uh, very divisive by nature because you know, that's kind of Michael Moore in itself. Um, Why do you think it was clumsy? What was it clumsy? I'm confused about that. So, so in uh, just to start with like the form of the, of the film, I thought the shots were beautiful. Um, I think the music and the, the score and the, and the narration were absolutely horrendous. Um, for me, the, the narration was deadpan, just monotone. Yeah, that works. I, I really didn't like it. Uh, for me, it didn't. Okay. I, I didn't think it, it worked for me, at least. Um, but, you know, I can understand why some people like it. I just, I thought it was not very well done. Um, and in terms of the real, like, clumsiness of the content, um, so there is a bit of there's a bit of clumsiness in the in the dates of when each clip is from. So you, you have some clips that are actually from 2009, for example, some clips from like throughout the 2010s. Um, and as we know, you know, climate and environmental science changes drastically from year to year, often for the worse. Um, but there are some inaccuracies that were left in or things that were quite a, a little bit misleading. And I'm not saying that that it's it's um, intentional or something, or that even changes a lot about the point of the film. But there are some areas of clumsy. For example, uh, when he shows some solar panels and says that the um, the rate of uh, so the rate at which they they generate electricity or something is like nine uh, percent, um, which like today I'm not sure what the exact vocabulary is for it. Do you guys know what you call it? Efficiency. Um, uh... I, I'll be honest with, with you, the percentage doesn't mean anything to me. 9% of what? Of the power received, of the power they should be generated theoretically from the sun? Because there's, it's a it's really complicated thing to get a percentage yeah, yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. 
but something so so a critique that i saw a lot of uh, about this film was that the the solar panel efficiency percentage i'm not sure exactly to what that refers to but was referred in the film to be nine percent whereas today that's yeah that's that was what 2009 it today it's about 20 to but, 25 but you're not saying much by saying that number because no, no, no. compared well, to I, I think what pablo is saying is in the film they're saying nine percent but they're saying nine percent of what and when you say today it's 20 percent it's 20% of what? If there are different things, today it still could yeah. be that same 9% as was then. Because it just depends the percentage of what we're talking about, if that makes sense. Because we could say it's the percentage of the received power. Like they literally just go and experiment. They're like, oh, we should be producing that. Yeah, I'm or, pretty sure that's what it is. Yeah. No, but it could also be like the theoretical power it should be produced from the distance where the sun. Okay, solar cell efficiency. Solar cell efficiency, that's what it's called. Um, the performance of solar cells. But yeah. it could be, like, you know, um, for example, how much direct sunlight it's receiving, how much exactly. of that sunlight can get gathered by the solar cell, um, etc. Like there are different things that it could be a percentage of which is how you calculate the efficiency, which is why this kind of thing in... This is something that is talked, this is like a thing of the solar panel discussion is always solar panel efficiency. So I'm not sure exactly what they refer to. We can, exactly, but we can, we can hopefully assume that they'd be consistent in explaining it. However, you can always assume that if a company is trying to sell their okay. solar panels... Solar panels are usually able to process 9% of solar energy into usable energy, depending on factors like placement, orientation, weather conditions, and similar. Uh, the amount of sunlight that solar panel systems are able to convert into actual electricity is called performance, and the outcome determines the solar panel efficiency. So, so in Michael Moore's film, that uh, percentage of solar energy being able to be transformed into usable energy is at 9%, whereas today it's at 20 to 25, sometimes 30%, apparently. So um, that's what I meant when I said clumsy, was that even though it doesn't detract from the actual point that he's making, that it's still you not need to also evade, sustainable. Let me, let me, you also need to evade, there's very different yeah. solar power, there's very different solar uh, cells. You can have the solar cells that they have in Curiosity, no curiosity. Um, one of the rovers in Mars. Curiosity is nuclear. One of the rovers in Mars has really, really efficient solar cells, and that's the reason for that because it's a really specific condition. It's almost like, I think it's like thirty percent. It has cost absolutely it's millions to make. Them. Yeah, but it costs absolutely millions. Whereas nine percent, and probably your twenty yeah. percent is the higher end of these solar cells. That probably very expensive. No, 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 no. So I'm to no, no, no. Well, no. That's the thing. Uh, that's like the average. Okay. The average efficiency. So this is like household. We're probably beating too much. I mean, yeah, but personally, what I think when you say it was clum yeah. like potentially clumsy usage of that footage from 2009, even though this film was released 10 years later, um, like my experience with general Michael Moore films is he goes in there trying to prove a point and he'll show things, however outdated, that emphasize yeah, that yeah. point. So it might not even necessarily be clumsy. It could be deliberately done hmm. such that he further yeah. proves his point, which is misleading. And I mean, whilst yes, it does kind of prove the point, I think it's just, I don't know, a bit immoral to do that kind of yeah. thing. I mean, I guess I just, I would have preferred him to target um, today's mm. current like 
slightly more efficient yeah. solar panel industry because it's still the point is still, it's still the same, the same it's point still, it's still, still lots of <laughs> yeah 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 um just an another thing that might be that i i'm quickly i'm remembering now is uh when he talked about yeah. when he talked about the solutions right um and again this is not actually this is co-written by michael moore but oh, let's um, see if we're on this one because i think i think i know what you're gonna say another guy but uh, this is a, a sort of comment that's been made because i've been reading reviews of it for for a few days now and something that keeps coming up is um his solution that has been portrayed in the film seems at, at least on surface and that's why i call it clumsy on surface sounds like population control yeah so i was yeah. gonna say that. that that was really problematic it really surprised that me yeah. that it was brought up i didn't expect that to be brought up in what i mean i would have thought i don't know michael moore would not make mm. that point he'd be against that kind of thing but he the thing is he doesn't the thing is he is against it like when i i watch interviews of him afterwards and he he specifically states like no 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 that's, that's not yeah. what our point was but that then you know that shows it was not at yeah, all clear it was weird because he mentioned it for a bit you're kind of shocked and like why is this mentioned and then it's never dealt with again he just goes on to biomass and literally never deals with um population control again which is you know if you hadn't looked into it more you might think oh yeah that's actually a good point which is as pablo was saying when we watched it quite a dangerous um thing to be saying is a solution this is something me and skander discusses like it's mm -hmm. not it doesn't it, it it serves a valuable purpose in that it, it's criticizing these like processes and institutions but it doesn't have a very moral message uh, sorry sorry a very positive message you're not you're not given really much guidance of where to move forward from here which is quite it's like this is quite bad work. in a way um because I guess if you're really pessimistic about the whole thing, then that's not going to solve. That's really not going to solve anything. You need to have the right attitude um, to solve yeah. anything. Mm. Like you could just give up and then you know. yeah. yeah. But in, the, in a way, the critique is is needed. You know, we can't ask. In a way, I, I thought this, but I also thought I can't ask Michael Moore to not only critique the problem but also find mm. every solution. Yeah. Yeah. I just no. I just found it extremely sort of demoralizing, really. It was so, because it wasn't just, we have all of these problems. It was like, um, it, like um, it wasn't just a film showing, look at all these problems we have. It was also showing how ingrained these problems are, like into capitalism and money-making and profit and stuff, which made it even more difficult. Like it makes it even more difficult to be solved rather than just everyone turning around and saying, oh yes, biomass is bad, we need to do more. It's like people are aware that biomass is bad and we need to do more, but it's the industry is so taken over by these bajillionaires. Yeah. It clearly shows how the movement has been completely hijacked by these, yeah. Mm, which just makes the problem harder to solve. Profit. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the thing with capitalism, like it's just going to... Is that where we're going now? And absorb everything. Like nothing's gonna be able to kill it at the end because it's just gonna absorb it and sell it to you. You want Che Guevara t-shirts? There you go. You can have them. Yeah. Um, one one of the things actually I want to touch on before we we move on to a, any other topic is the that that co-opting of the green movement. Mm -hmm. um, one of the people who was very heavily 
posed as almost a villain of, of the film was uh, Bill McKibben, uh, the creator of 350. Yeah. yeah. So he, Bill McKibben, if you don't know, is an activist who has created this uh, movement called 350.org, who has been fighting, um, well, according to, to Michael Moore, allegedly fighting <laughs> um, the, the good fight in terms of environment. And he had something to say, quite a lot actually to say, in response to Planet of the Humans, because the film, the film really shows him in a bad light. Like Michael Moore alleges that, you know, he is in part funded to look into renewable energies and biomass as an answer, that he, he completely sort of disregards real solutions for more uh, industry-oriented solutions. Um, I don't know what you guys thought of that. I'm going to say with um, more on this one, because he clearly shown how there was, he, was, he had stakes on, this, on the biomass business. He was clearly profiting from it. And so it just makes sense. He's campaigning for it. He's literally his material needs are completely aligned with this movement, so that he completely used it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is definitely how it seemed because of how he's depicted. But it also the various interviews that he had with Bill McKibben at that uh, protest. Hmm that he's just demonstrated as being someone who actually has yeah, no idea what yeah. he's talking about. Um, I think in, in that whole protest, all of the interviews that Michael Moore, or well, who was it? It was the yeah, director. Yeah, Junior um, Discussed with all of the different um, climate activists and pretty much all of them said, you know, yeah, biomass is great, blah, blah, blah. Um, except one who I've forgotten the name of. Um, so it really didn't, it, yeah, I agree, it did not show him in a good light. But then, just because of knowing what Michael Moore films are like, I ex fully expected there to be several interviews of people who should know what they're talking about mm. being shown to not know what they're talking about. Um, and so I just kind of take it as, a, like, you know, with a grain of salt, um, whether that's legitimate. His, his argument of, like, the campaign being co-opted makes a lot of sense because if, you know, this, the, the, capitalist group who have a lot of resources and are perhaps more internally organized um, are aware that you know the fossil fuel fossil fuel industry is getting a lot of back public backlash it just makes perfect sense for them to adapt um, you know and have these public speeches have these um, festivals um, yeah it just it just seems it makes perfect sense um, and yeah, I think a major problem is just that, like, the public in general is not taught about these things. You know, it's for some reason is not on the curriculum of, you know, what tr what true green energy is. Um, which I don't know. I don't. I don't know how how deliberate you can think that is. You know, you you can go quite far down a rabbit hole. But I think the general idea is um, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it's interesting with um, McKibben uh, because we we kind of because me and Skander we looked at the general argument against him and then McKibben had several replies and it does seem his replies seem to be sort of insufficient. Um, like he 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 seems to take some step back. Mm. So he's like, okay, yeah, bio, biomass is wrong, but they, he has like a tiny little slither of a sentence saying we can't dismantle what we have, but we can stop building more. It's like, okay, 
why is why is that he's saying a lot he's, he's saying a lot of mm-hmm. good stuff he's saying got a lot of good stuff in his reply a lot of stuff you'd want him to say um but it's just it's just think like it generally his replies are insufficient i find um yeah so so just um bill mckibben responded on uh, april 22nd so a few days after um after Earth Day, which is when the film premiered on, on YouTube. Oh, right. Free. Um, yeah, so Bill McKibben responded on 350.org um, saying that he was basically quite hurt to see this film. Um, mm. That, you know, he, pre- he agrees that he previously personally supported burning biomass as an alternative to, bio- to fossil fuels, um, but that uh, that was more than a decade ago. And since then, he has had a f- lot of pieces um, explaining, like written pieces, where he explains that it is not a good idea. And he's kind of backtracked from that after learning about the issues with it. Um, in terms of like corporate money, he says that he has never taken a penny in pay from 350.org or any other environmental groups. He's donated all well, the hundreds yeah, of thousands the of dollars point. over the he's, years. Sorry. I could. Um, but yeah, so 350 hasn't taken corporate money, he says. Um, it has no financial interest in the campaign and it runs to clean our financial system of dirty fossil fuels and does not act as financial advisor. It's untrue to suggest it ever promoted or uh, one fund over another or profited doing so. Uh, he says he's used to being uh, harassed and attacked, uh, has had a lifetime of death threats, Um and says, you know, there are worse things going on, but it still hurts him to see this kind of thing happening. Um, now, now, Planet of the Humans, so by that I mean uh, Jeff Gibbs, the, the narrator, co-creator, and Michael Moore, <laughs> have made a response uh, where they say they admire Bill McKibben's work and appreciate the time that he's taken to, to do this. Um, they do say that, though, that there's a lot of mixed messaging from Bill McKibben since he has backtracked from biofuels. Um, so for example, like the op-ed that Bill McKibben cites, the 2016 op-ed where he says that's where he started to to say no to biofuels. Um, Jeff Gibbs kind of, you know, quotes him saying basically that uh, you're saying that biomass plants that are existing should remain in operation, which is Quite silly. So he's in, in that op-ed, basically, Bill McKibben's asking to not build any more, but for the ones existing to remain in operation. Yeah, and that's like a short sentence in his in his reply piece. He's like, it's definitely glazing over that. Um, Especially the fossil yeah. fuel industry. Like, yeah, let's not. We cannot close all of these refineries. We need to. We can build mm-hmm. new stuff, but we cannot close these ones. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, one of the other things that. Jeff Gibbs points out is that in 2017, for example, um, he endorsed, so it's not so much his taking of money, it's more his endorsement of biomass, mm-hmm. uh, biofuel stuff. And his support for things such as uh, Proposal 3 in Michigan, which is related to that, the biomass plant at Middlebury College, Wall Street investment schemes, including those containing biomass, et cetera, et cetera. So, this is a bit killer for Bill McKibben, but he seems to have kind of answered with this, you know, this idea of, well, I'm just used to being attacked. Um, you're just being divisive and, and silly. You know, after years of being attacked, <laughs> what else are you going to do? Um, mm. 
it doesn't sound like a solid defense to me. That's exactly what Jamie was saying. He managed to sneak there that we're not going to close him. And he did clearly have... But that, that, yeah, that's a major thing. It's like, he, he can say, like, everything he wants. Like, you know, he's saying, like, oh, for years I've been writing articles, like, blah, blah, blah. I get, but, like, what is he actually mm. doing? He's, you know, he's still saying these things should stay open. Mm. Claiming to be against it, but then, advo- well, effectively advocating for their... He's profiting from it, mm-hmm. isn't it? So well, he he says he doesn't get he doesn't get any personal corporate profit. I mean that that a could either be a lie, yeah. um, which is relatively unlikely, or b. But the more I think the more likely thing is he's receiving some sort of other material reward. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He, he yeah, it, it, it's it's actually not good to speculate, but it's just it's it's of course he there are other ways he can gain from this. Yeah, I think we could also say that he's just you know potentially does think this is. A legitimate answer and it's just misguided in his belief but we're gonna still doing it like it doesn't make sense so it, yeah. there must be another reason why he's doing this like there's only he could be saying that it's not a good solution in defense of this attack quote unquote mm-hmm. from there was this interview they saw it on the documentary when they asked him about funding and they mentioned some what was it, was it some investment funds and he's like he didn't answer the question. It appeared like say, he, it, yeah, it appeared like he maybe knew what he could say, but didn't want to say it because it wouldn't paint him in a good light, or he just didn't know which he probably should. Which could be, yeah, yeah, another, another, yeah another thing. The, the fact that he apparently did not know that bio biofuel was so bad perhaps shows a lack of real interest. Um, like at the at the end be. of the day, you can never really know someone's motives for acting, but like that that it is a fact that he is still supporting the you know continuing uh, operation of the existing um industry just not expanding mm-hmm. it but that's still yeah that's, that's not <laughs> that's just True. that's like that's awful <laughs> he's literally not putting it up a fight that's the thing yeah M- mckibben is not the only one actually who's critiqued uh, planet of the humans we've got yeah. a lot of influential liberal or leftist um kind of uh, outlets like uh, The Nation, uh, Rolling Stone, Jack- Jacobin magazine, even they all published uh, ridiculous like critiques of the documentary. And and actually, one of the uh, guests of the show, uh, Alexander Dunlap, uh, one of our friends at Oslo, has published mm-hmm. a review of uh, Planet of the Humans. He's the one that actually told us to that it would be a good idea to watch the film. He and oh. Guadalupe Correa Cabra. Uh, published in May 28th at the Houston Chronicle, a review where they they say that the documentary has shocked and awed progressive circles, generating uproar among them, um, and that the the fear stems from having questioned was presumably one of the foundational principles of contemporary progressive thought, a strong advocacy for renewable energy. Um, so, so there's a lot of anger towards the film, um, and I, I kind of want to talk about this idea of of false false gods false illusions because i think that's what the film really tries to tackle is is why have we bought into something that's still so environmentally destructive why have we we kind of it feels like we haven't critiqued our we haven't applied self-criticism to these ideas of renewable energy i'm kind of just wondering how how come a, a movement that's so critical in its thought did not 
critic like look at renewable energies with enough self criticism i think they tackle that in the documentary a bit right he does talk about he makes it really clumsy really use comparison but he does mention like oh this we just saw this as the only opportunity so we rolled with it so we didn't want to change our way of life this was the only other way mm-hmm. even if it was not gonna work yeah i think that's a good point you know rather than change our way of life we'd rather solve all of these issues with new technological solutions like oh this will save us this will save us this will save us rather than face the reality that what we have to do is fundamentally change our own lifestyles and reduce consumption and i think that's just it's just an easier thing to do is say right i can carry on doing what i'm doing and some piece of technology is going to fix this for me rather than you know take a hard look at my life and be like right i shouldn't be flying to all of these places every now and again i think another major problem is that this is a distinctly um commun- communal problem that requires like <clears throat> co- like cooperation between citizens um so whereas everyone can kind of you know if, if there's a general green movement if there's like recycling initiatives there's not really any incentive for a single person to reduce their own consumption it's like when societies take pride in individualism and you know they kind of have negative sentiments against yeah. socialist ideas or just like makes makes people um, so she's a cast this really nice quote about i think it reflects really well this i could do the cystic impression but it's really bad no, no, you no, can no. give it a draft towards. But basically, she says it's easier to mine the end of the world than the end of capitalism. And then he does the sniff. Yeah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah I think it's, yeah. it's pretty well captured on this because what he's trying to say is that capitalism will survive. Our, the current mode of production is pretty solid. Like, it takes a lot of effort if you want to change that. So, even before mm-hmm. climate change, the, end, the world is going to end, society will collapse, but then you'll have post-apocalyptic late-stage capitalism. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty spot on. I mean, I think we we're, we tend to see capitalism as such a, a sturdy system. Like, um, you know, one of the big critiques, for example, of uh, Marxist thought is that um, Marx and his peers uh, underestimated the <laughs> longevity of capitalism and its adaptability. Absolutely. Um, but maybe that's got into our heads and taught us that it can't die. It can't mm-hmm. transform and be reborn into a phoenix of, you know, communal green, truly green uh, living. Hippies, you mean? You sound <laughs> sure. like a hippie when you talk. Well, There's just been years and years and years and years of like, you know, pro-capitalist, anti-communist propaganda that like it's just ingrained in the West's head that yeah. well, this is what works. Is well... Yeah, but my point is, this is, you know, this is what we're told is what works mm-hmm. and nothing else works. Well, really, um, we our system isn't one or the other. It's a mix of, uh, at different degrees. Of, excuse of me. Both. <laughs> we have some socialist policies in every country. Yeah, but that's just I mean, the social democracy. That's the yeah, no, but that's, that's ideology. What I mean. When you make uh, socialism, for example, or, or communism or, or any of these kind of communal ideas, evil seem evil in simplified terms um you're denying the fact that for example we have firefighters that are paid yeah. oh yeah i know what you mean that's like uh, that, you know yeah there's no there is no true capitalist consensus because the mm-hmm. those in power have to in some to some degree combine their interests with everyone else 
So mm-hmm. it, it'll always be a mixture. Mm-hmm. That's what Gramsci says. I don't I don't know how accurate it is to see like capitalism of this as this like really, really solid foundry, because like it's only been around for like a few hundred years compared yeah. to like yeah. if you compare that to earlier political systems which persisted last than millennia. Yeah, but the, the economic foundations of what's required, I feel, in terms of, of changing the world into a greener place compared to the past thousands of years is very, very different. I think it's there's been a common, at least as I see it, there's been a common uh, trend throughout these different um, civilizations and throughout these different times where, where modes of production and have, have changed, sure, but they always they were always according to like slightly kind of free market ideas and these ideas of like, of, you know, trade um, sort of unregulated a lot of the time. But um, it wasn't maybe, maybe always I'm wrong like that. In this, but... No, no, because no, the clear example that uh, maybe it's a bit of like too much, too Marxist for a podcast. But like mm-hmm. when you have hunter gatherer societies, mm-hmm. Everything was communal because there was no other way of living. Yeah. The moment it's not communal, everyone just died. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I was talking more up to the point where there's money. I guess mm-hmm. uh, the invention of money to today, at least I see as as differing in, in parts, but and the modes similar... of production were really different. For example, yeah, yeah but I, I like see that have... system as more similar to to each other than what is necessary in my mind, at least to survive in terms of climate change. You know what I mean? I still say there's component. Oh, no. There's yeah. communal components in sl- in slave mm-hmm. economies, for example. The slaves okay. did work communally to a certain degree. I know. I know it sounds horrible, but like I'm talking like I'm talking about Roman, the Roman, uh, I'm Greek. Even they, there was this level of communal. United and suffering. Basically, it was horrible. Yeah. Okay, we're so getting a little bit off track of, of the, yeah. the <laughs> but but um, we can just go back. It, it is. It we is. can cut all of this out because yeah. <laughs> yeah. we can have like we um, sound bits for different times. Like yeah, sure. I'm just Pablo so. saying saying slavery wasn't bad. Um, anyway, I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'll cut that out. I'm but, but you did say that. You did say oh, that. Shit. We'll stitch together different words to make. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God, this isn't a lie. We can can talk about about that, about the stitching together different things, because that happens a lot in the movie. So there's a moment when he's sewing different, so he's sewing a lot of industrial activity, and he's like cobalt and then concrete. In the the production of um, the solar panels, wasn't it? Of of everything. I think it was like, he was critiquing like all the stuff we use for industry. Mm-hmm. Can't really remember, but it was the, it was the how it was shot because all of the different industrial processes and then cobalt, all of the bad stuff that you can imagine, like sulfur stuff like that. And then at one point he just he's doing he's talking about one thing and then he just moves to talking about solar panels, uh, wind turbines, uh, uh, molten salt reactors. And I was like, wait, but this is you've made the jump suddenly. So he's showing you all of this bad stuff and you're mm-hmm. making the connection in your head. This is all bad. And then he just jumps to solar energy and you're like, he's trying to yeah. just make the connection for you for it to be bad. It's really like they did that in propaganda movies, like Dread, um, Battleship Potemkin, the Russians did stuff like that. They do association of ideas. And it's just like, mm-hmm. this is just propaganda techniques, man. This is, this is not cool. You shouldn't be using this. Yeah. You should just convince people. Because there's a degree of entertainment value 
I guess, that he looks for in his films as well. Yeah, but he's it's manipulating not... you. To yeah, of course. I, yeah, I don't disagree. I, I'm just trying to find look at it from his point of view. He probably doesn't do that completely on purpose, but is more thinking, yeah. oh yeah, this is pretty cool. Like I was going to mm-hmm. say, that's definitely uh, visually, I think that was the best part of the film. Um, but yeah, let's actually, let's do this. Um, I want to know what your favorite bits of the film was if you if you're to choose like one bit that you remember that maybe you were wowed at or that you remembered um you know thinking holy shit like this is cool i learned something um for me i think that that sequence of 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 quick shots i think visually was really really cool even though it was propaganda (laughs) um but i think i think the 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 moment where he talks to that that was it ford ceo i think the the person who's in in charge of ford i think um was opening up like a electric car parking something like oh that. yeah oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that would be enough and he gets to ask her like yeah well where does the electricity come from to power the cars and from the just, grid yeah from, from the grid of lansing uh, and He's like, oh, and what does, uh, how does the grid of Lansing get this power? And like, oh, from coal. Yeah, from coal. (laughs) I don't think coal is bad. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, right, brilliant. It is a gotcha moment or something, but, you know, I still, I found it quite, uh, quite interesting the way that they, they can't even talk themselves out of it, in a sense. For me, I would say it was, um, he was interviewing like different movements, right? I was like, what is your opinion on biomass? And there was this guy with a funny mustache and he says something like, oh, well, our, our organization is not really to do with energy production. Well, I'm pretty sure that you asked the woman from something, something, um, she will be able to tell you pretty well, what is it? And then they cut immediately to this different woman and ask him, who are you? And she's like, I'm the organizer of this. Of the thing the other guy mentions, like, what's your position on biomass? It's like, eh, we don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, so it's, yeah. it's the cut, it's, the, it's almost like comedic how it's done in the film. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was, yeah, for me, it was like basically towards the beginning when they were talking about the production of solar panels and wind turbines. And it wasn't like shocking, it was more of like, a, you know, face palm, how did I not mm. actually consider this? Um, in, and it was just how much energy goes into the production of these green things. You know, it was really like a, you know, kick myself moment. Like, why have I never considered that these green things that are going to save us actually take an enormous amount of energy from fossil fuels, etc., to produce? Um, I didn't really get over that throughout the whole film. I was just kind of there like, oh my God. How am I so like mm. oblivious, mm-hmm. really? Um, but then, as was kind of the theme of the whole thing, that just gave me even less hope, because if all these, you know, green energies that are supposed to save us require dirty energies to make the green energy, how the hell are we going to actually escape from the cycle of, you know, using fossil fuels and using things that pollute? I I got. At that point, I got a very big Juna Bomber. Uh, <laughs> I always mention the Juna Bomber when it comes to ecology, but he has a big point. It's like the tools we are using are the yeah. tools that are causing the problem. So, what you but we do? have to also, I think, agree that so there is a, a, a bottom line sort of necessary um, 
necessary amount of like electricity, let's say, for example, that we need, uh, for example, to like power hospitals, um, you know, things like that. So, so there is that baseline that we need to find, but there, I think we can all agree there sh sure as hell is a lot of electricity we don't need. True, yeah. but yeah, I mean, this baseline, but then even once you found the baseline, it's pumping out all of these things to provide electricity above that baseline. And but we just need to make sure that be... baseline is, is sustainable. Mm -hmm. That's it. You can pump up CO2 to the atmosphere as long as it's not the immense yeah. quantities we do right now. But the I mean, you know, as it was pointed out in the in the documentary, solar panels and wind turbines, you know, they you know they don't last forever. They need to be replaced, like not even repaired. They need to be replaced. What like every ten or twenty years? They said. Which I think it's about, it's about thirty to forty, but, but yeah, yeah. it's still the same the same idea. Yeah. I mean, thirty to forty is is short in Singles. terms of lifespan of planet. Jimmy, any favorite moment? Um, yes, yeah, so it's probably like similar to like um, what some of you guys said. It's like when when he kind of like is showing these examples of how unsustainable these um, supposedly sustainable uh, energy sources are. That was like really impactful. Um, but I, it was also really interesting seeing like the general like campaigning and the speeches related to it and the mm. festival and everyone's cheering and they go on the back and it's like, oh yeah, um, yeah, there's not, yeah, it's not, there's not, not, yeah, not enough. The solar panels aren't actually, yeah. Yeah. Fine, oh, yeah. Yeah. We just got, it's just hooked up to the grid. For a toaster. Um, <laughs> it is interesting uh, what you were talking about earlier. It's like, it also made me think, cause he's saying the solution is to cut back on consumption. He's saying we can't rely on technology to to have us. But what what does that actually? Mm. So he's saying there's no truly us, yeah. sustainable energy source. Is that what he's saying? Because if you cut back, you, will it still not be unsustainable, or will it just will that just be low enough for the Earth to handle? Is that what he's saying? I think that's. I think that's the point. Is aiming, there's yeah. nothing that we can really do that's going to be completely unsustainable. But yeah, it's just so we're doing it slowly enough that the Earth can actually deal with it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think. Um, I think it's it's about finding a balance because we're you can't you know you can't create energy out of nothing. You're you're gonna need to use something. <laughs> yes, Shadow the physicists telling you. Uh, I'll tell you all non-scientists you cannot create energy out of nothing um but you know even though we need to then use where did it come from yeah <laughs> that's, well, that's that's, that's something question. above my pay grade <laughs> as a scientist um, <laughs> you have a pay grade are you kidding oh, like, crap i like, wasn't supposed pay? to say <laughs> um, <laughs> no but i i think that even if you can't create energy out of nothing you can still i i don't know i kind of started envisioning after the film things like um because we had talked with Andrea Brock about offsetting and how that wasn't very much use. I was thinking, you know, is there a way to um, to kind of like create things that we could then uh, mine or harvest wherever you want in a sustainable way and sort of bubbles of outside of our environment? You know what I mean? So in the same way, like in the same way that you could, um, for example, have like a sort of protected greenhouse where you'd grow a tree that doesn't really affect the environment around it too much and then specifically cut that tree down for fuel and then replace it and 
you know, like specifically have these resources for fuel. But I feel like that. I mean. Even, even that on a large scale enough to power humanity is just yeah that's the thing in theory yes it would work but on a large enough scale you'd be cutting down vast areas of trees which Mm -hmm. is obviously what we're doing right now but then yeah that just you know the concept of a greenhouse um you know hiding your coal (laughs) in a greenhouse (laughs) sounds like a guy smoking and then he just lifts up the carpet and starts smoking which is which is which is what i want to get at is is this idea of like us trying to offset our uh is the idea of scale of like how we we think that if we can do this sustainably then it's fine but i feel like just as michael morris kind of shown here is that even if uh, even if everyone was powered on on solar it would take you know uh, uh, insurmountable amounts of of rare earth metals of of um of human suffering as well that's linked oh, one to thing. mining yeah. yeah sorry go ahead one thing about the rare earth metals, and he was talking about radioactivity, <laughs> and that just made me chuckle, right? Because the radioactivity you get from that is is slightly more, is slightly, it's slightly more than the background. It's probably less than flying on a plane, okay? Yeah. And the bit that got me is when he gets this Geiger counter, which is probably not a Geiger counter because we don't build those anymore, but he he gets really close to this rock, and suddenly starts just click, click, click. Click, click, and uh, that's that's the that's what the background should sound. Like I've been on a radiation lab, and that's that's nothing. That's that's yeah. that's completely normal right. radiation. What he was hearing there, and he was just put there. You'd get like, more radiation just living in a city, like it's, it's probably yeah, just from all the stuff that comes out of the car's exhaust. But yeah, so that made me that made me laugh because he just picked that. Clean. picked it up and, and then it starts it starts beeping and anyone oh, if you oh. don't know anything you're gonna think <laughs> like oh my god it's beeping yeah if you, if you know you're gonna be like right that's that's just a rock he's not saying that's any explicit statement it's just just a video like oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a bit i thought that was a bit oh shit i'm sorry i, yeah. I was not gonna hey, is, yeah. don't apologize he, he should apologize for for not contextualizing that sequence mm. yeah um but then, you know, like I said before, that's literally what Michael Moore does. He goes out with a point to make and anything, anything that can make that, that can... point, whether it's true or not, he will add it in to make that point. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Like, if his point is ultimately correct, is like... he Is it morally... Yeah, it's like it, <laughs> he, 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 he perhaps knows his audience and he's just using these tactics to push his point. That's interesting. Mm. Now, so it's like, here's all the facts, r- r- whether they're false or not, and then you guys do the the work of, of yeah you do the research through. yeah mm. does he not sounds like guess... university management <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> a little dig at the uni management which has still uh we are sending our investment letter to very soon go and sign the petition shameless plug shameless yes. like us right uni alumni students staff please go sign the petition it is on change.org slash luxr uh investing for the future uh i i think i i want to begin this question of does do you think michael moore has a responsibility in a way um because i personally i don't think he should be able to just put together you know a bunch of different sequences and and, and clips that sometimes are quite dubious in terms of uh, factual mm-hmm. accuracy and just kind of get away with it because the rest of the claims are good and well i feel like there's a degree of responsibility as a filmmaker especially with an audience like michael moore has to to verify things and he says that he's he's verified everything 
through like sort of teams of scientists and such but i <laughs> that doesn't sound very convincing scientists from where um you might yeah, have no. verified the facts presented but the clip yeah. and the editing that's the thing he could just be verifying anything that he says like anything that is said in the thing but if he shows a clip of a guide counter he's not really lying there no, it's no. up to the person's sort of interpretation of what that means so mm -hmm. he's not actually lying he's just misleading yeah, and i think so. personally yeah i think he should have an obligation to not manipulate because especially in this situation even mm. the exact truth is going to be shocking and horrendous enough to prove his point anyway yeah um so it seems maybe he's done it more for the sake of you know Bombastic. entertainment and yeah yeah um really eliciting eliciting a strong reaction mm -hmm. rather than a strong but informed reaction which is what i like to see <laughs> yeah. yeah i want to give a, a quick shout out to vandana shiva who's in the film at one point i don't know if you remember um yeah the uh, activist and, and scientist from uh, India who has been fighting for, for decades. That's the one you mentioned, Tali, that you yeah, remember her name. I forgot her name. She was the right. only one in those interviews that said biomass is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she is an absolute angel. This woman has written uh, one of the most fantastic books I've ever read called Biopiracy, uh, which deals with the um, patenting of biological entities by corporations in developing countries yeah um we've talked about it a lot in private yeah that can be one of our book reviews um or something that could be cool but yeah vandana shiva seemed to be like the one person and he highlights her as uh, i didn't find a single person that was against this except for one yeah, and then he out shows of, her out of, all yeah. The, yeah. out of all the environmental leaders at this um conference yeah this festival or and, it, and for me at least it's quite funny that the only person who seemed to speak some sense in this uh, environmental activism group came from uh, one of the biggest polluters in the world, first of all, in terms of coal, India, um, but mm -hmm. also one of the countries that has kind of been a little bit sidelined in terms of climate action. Uh, it feels at least on the international stage, feels like India has been kind of put on the side, like, you know, this sort of uh, Western-centered, like yeah, the U.S. and Europe will take care of it. Like I've, I think, I think, I think the the debate has definitely included developing countries because you know because the Western countries not in a meaningful way. No, let me explain because the these are the countries though, that are going to be most affected at the beginning at least, and are currently being the most affected oh, by the, this issue. What I'm referring to is that they are usually so right now the biggest pollutants I think is. I think it might be still the US, but it's followed second by China and India. And I think, and the conversation is being thrown towards them. It's like, yeah, look at them, they're currently developing and they're producing all of this. So in, in, in the West, what you must escape code, but like, why are they, suddenly they're the ones that are polluting the most, even though we, the European powers, have polluted the most throughout history. Mm -hmm. So if you do the total, we've polluted the most. Well, yes, also, but then people do neglect when they say, you know, China is the biggest polluter. They do forget the fact that there are an enormous number of people in China. It's a massive it's country. True. And so if you consider it, you know, per person. Mm -hmm. And the fact that there are up, manufacturing states. <laughs> they um, manufacture for our consumption. For everyone. So everything <laughs> that we buy, we should count the pollution that comes from that. That's yeah. the thing. There's a really good video by... Um, 
this uh, is the Germans, the Kursikats in, in a Nazi yes, school. Yeah. Really good, well animated and it has a really relatively good count of pollution um, per capita and it takes different metrics into account. Have a look, have a look at that. That's actually really good. Everyone should mm -hmm. have a quick watch. It's really quick, five minutes, well animated. It's nice. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're we're nearing the end, um, otherwise we're going to go on for way too long. Uh, before we get on to like a final little segment, I just want to say that we have uh, a book review club series coming with these three oh. good folks. Um, what? I was not informed. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't he, you didn't know that this was the podcast. He, he springs it on us during the episode, so we're like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You have to read the books oh, yeah. as well, you can't just watch films. Um, yeah. But we're going to be hopefully continuing this series of film reviews um, and adding in, you know, more sparsely some book reviews because obviously those take longer to do. And I think I'll be starting the book review with my book called Ecolonomy, uh, which is a French book. Um, Evil French. No, yes, evil French. I was going to say, oh yes, I shall read that. Oh wait, no, I can't. <laughs> um, so before we completely finish, I want to ask. In terms of solutions, because this is a subject, that's something that Michael Moore and Gib, uh, Gibbs were, were criticized for, is there doesn't seem to be many solutions in the film, um, except for, for yeah, <laughs> it does seem like that, but except for maybe a reduction of population, which, uh, like we said, clumsily appeared without the context <laughs> needed. <laughs> yes, without the context needed that the, with the current system there needs to be a reduction of population but that if we change our system we don't need to reduce the population um but i Definitely think we should not be considering reducing the population. yeah in any case no, we should this is a dangerous thought yeah that's how we'll eco-fascism seeps if we get too big can we both scan it out <laughs> If we could just get rid of Scander and solve all the problems, I'm definitely for Scandus, that. Scander's consumption is so high. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he's head. I consume, yeah. I consume yeah. enough for, for 10 products Brits. that he uses. Scander <laughs> consumes 12 tubs of hair wax. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, did, did you guys think as well, that, um, you've mentioned a little bit, but that there's a lack of, a total lack of solutions and alternatives. Um, I just want to talk about that a little uh, bit. I do agree that there was a total lack of solutions and alternatives. However, I can only think of one, and that is limit our consumption. And as we have discussed previously, you know, no one seems up for even hearing that fully. Um, so yes, well, I think it would have been good that they posed some solutions. What solutions would they have, you know, proposed? And I'll be honest, I thought it was... I thought that was not the big meat of the documentary. The big meat of the documentary was the uh, investigative journalism of finding out how, I think the big, big main body of work in this documentary was finding out how the green movement has been hijacked. I thought that was the best part of it, and yeah. the biomass stuff. So Most, yeah. I think we'll be detracting from what he's trying to point out if we're trying to also include solutions. I guess, yeah, I suppose I do agree with that. Um, trying to sound the alarm. But it right, just, alarm. yeah, but it just, the problem with not even taking five minutes to say, you know, there is a way that we can fix this, it just sort of comes off as a very unhopeful Wait, it's because it's an unhopeful situation. Oh, yeah, my parents watched yes, this but, but, but if you go around telling everyone this is a completely lost cause, 
then everyone's just going to lose hope and be like, I'll just carry on doing what I'm doing then. Mm. But if you say... That was my problem with the, the tone of the... Mm. And I think even just spending five minutes at the end being like, we still have some time. This is what we have to do. Maybe even these are the things that you personally can do. I think would have maybe been just a little bit better than, you know, this is a disaster. There's nothing we can do. Everyone's making money off of this so we can never stop it. Because it just kind of makes you want to sit back and be like, well, why the hell am I bothering? Why am I here? Well, it's a bit confrontational. Like we are quite, we are relatively powerless when it comes to a lot of stuff politically. So, unless I we're in, we unless we're to, like the masses, yeah. that's the thing. I think that the objectives are to create accountability for industries that are doing these things, and a, a big thing is for governments to acknowledge the insufficiency of this green energy mm -hmm. movement and it's like well the question is oh how do you how do you make governments do that this is kind of my answer to a lot of things it's sort of in any way political is that you need like citizen education yeah <laughs> people not only need to be educated about how um how these industries actually function and how what their effect actually is it's just that they need to just generally be more political they need to know uh, then there need to be institutions which facilitate you know such discussions um it needs to be really really encouraged to like get involved and to, you know have knowledge of politics and so that people will you know um have awareness and have means to discuss and put pressure on these issues i think it's just it's just generally people not yeah and it's like as you said pablo like it's like we're feeling generally powerless we, we don't have to be that's my universal answer. Just <laughs> education for the masses. Education. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Political, that is kind of the solution. Political education. Well, education in any respect would be good. Well, because it's good yeah, education. I think Jamie's right in the sense that um, the logical conclusion of rejecting consumer, like hyper consumerism, at least, seems to be the logical conclusion that you get when you're educated about the effects of consumerism yeah. right so mm -hmm. if i see it almost a, as a little tunnel and you just kind of have to push people in like yeah yeah just go through this tunnel of learning and then you'll come mm -hmm. out the other end thinking oh wait yeah we need to stop consumerism but then that in itself is quite a difficult thing because the people that benefit from consumerism uh you know all these insanely rich people so it's in their interest to keep us consuming but yeah it's 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 really difficult to educate people, I think, because, uh, you know, just look at the investment policy thing that we've we've started up with uh, LUXR, the, the comments that we've had to reply to, I mean, they range from people having legitimate questions about our report, um, such mm -hmm. as the methodology and the results, to people, like today, we just got a comment saying, grow up, you know, how are you meant nice. to have a conversation? <laughs> just, just, you, you are not meant to have a conversation. Exactly. With you you're not well, making a conversation with that kind of person. No. You just have a, a bot that whenever it identifies... Oh like, my god, I could call that. Phrases like that, just that <laughs> automatic reply, okay. <laughs> I'll call, I could call that. Yeah, but then sometimes you get like good... No, nah, just do like, K my friend, on its my, own. Yeah. Just K. <laughs> K. K full stop. Yeah. <laughs> K full stop. Exactly. I can't think of something, anything, <laughs> anything more like passive-aggressive than K. Yeah. Well, I guess just like uh, Planet of the Humans, we have not, yeah, we need to close down just like the film. We have not actually found any real, like, tangible solutions, but that's what we're trying to do here anyway. Change the means of production. <laughs> no, we're not advocating for specific. Uh, oh, stop it, guys. You're making my job hard. Um, <laughs> but yeah, tune in next time. <laughs>
for another episode of LUXR, where we'll be uh, either interviewing a guest or talking about our new film or f- bo- uh, book that we've been reading and watching. And uh, yeah, all right. Oh, Howdy. Thanks very much for listening. Okay. Yeah, it was good fun. Yeah. Bye. It was good. It was good. <laughs>